So today is the only day that you'll ever hear me say this, is I wish it snowed. Because I'm going to talk about snowflakes today, and it would have been very appropriate if it snowed. But that's the only time. You know me. I mean, every Saturday night, all last year, it snowed every Saturday night. But I, I want to talk about snowflakes. Because there's this idea of snow, and, and if you think about Christmas and you think about snow, you can't help but think about Snoopy <laughs> trying to catch it on his tongue. And since I have two five-year-olds, they think that's awesome as well. They run into cars, they just run into houses, anything, because they're only on that snowflake, and they, they'll just do all kinds of fun things with that. But that's okay. The idea is that I am just awed by it. The whole concept of snow. I know we get tired of it, and we're like, oh, i got to shovel again. I broke two snow shovels last year. How do you do that? I broke two. I wasn't hitting anything with them in frustration. Well, maybe. No. Um, just snow, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing when you look at it, when you get down to what it is. started thinking about snowflakes. Have you ever looked at the pictures of snowflakes? I usually am too busy grumbling or cold or frozen to take time to look at this creation. But isn't that gorgeous? That is beautiful. Like, that beats everything that's in the loof. That beats the greatest creation of man. It's a snowflake. It is here and gone in an instant. Yet each one of them is a meticulous, gorgeous piece of art. Think about that. As I was studying about snowflakes this week, they're basically, as I boiled it down to my unscientific trained brain, this will make, if you want to talk science and you want to talk all the nitty gritty about snowflakes, please talk to Kevin. You will make his Christmas. He, he started talking to me this morning, and I was like, mm, and he's like, oh, and molecularly, and all these big words. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, whatever. Um, but he, he was all excited about the science behind it. But when, when I was boiling it down, when I was reading all these websites and uh, the NOAA and all these different uh, meteorological societies, what I got from it was they're made of ice and dirt, water and carbon. There's something else that's very uniquely made and painstakingly unique and that there's no one other thing like it. It's humans, and you know what we're made out of? Carbon and water. They're made out of carbon and water. There's one coming up here that's the shape of a cross. I'm like, what? Why? How? Okay. Kevin called the last one a TIE fighter. I think he was excited about Star Wars, but... Each one is drastically different. Yeah, how did that randomly happen? You know how they're created? Well, one, the scientists get to a point and they're like, mm-hmm. scientists don't like to go, mm-hmm. that's like against their whole thought process. They're in the business of figuring out the, mm-hmm. but at some point at Snowflakes, you're like, I don't know how that happened randomly. I don't know how that happens mathematically. I don't know how that that just works out of something floating around the air and all of a sudden, boom, you have that? Because each one is different because 
They've figured it out. Scientists have figured it out where um, it is the humidity has to do with how they're formed. The atmospheric pressure has to do with it. The rate in which they're falling actually changes how they are. The wind currents that are going across them as they're falling changes it. The temperature of it, all these different things has to do with the makeup of what they actually look at, how beautiful they are, how they're totally different, each and every one. There's a chance one in one quintillion, I think it is, that's a lot of tillions, that there would be another one exactly the same. But you would never know because think about how many of these unique pieces of beautiful art fall just in an inch of snow just to cover your windshield. Do you know, for thousands of years, snow's been falling since the beginning, right? Snow's just one of those things. It's been coming. It wasn't until 1880s that we could start to actually look at them and photograph them. For thousands of years, these beautiful pieces of art are falling from the air with no purpose other than to make fluff on the... We would never know that they're this absolutely gorgeous. Until 1880s, that's what, just a hundred and some odd years that we've known the beauty of snowflakes. I think it's, it's blowing my mind how, how beautiful these things are. I stand and wonder of them. I am blown away at the intricacies and the detail that they create. And it makes me think about Christmas. It makes me think about Christmas because when you read the story of Jesus and the coming of Jesus to this earth, of the Emmanuel, the God with us, coming to be a part of this story of changing and reclaiming us and setting us on a new path. When you read that story, there's all kinds of things happening perfectly for a reason. For snowflakes to actually happen to occur, the atmospherical conditions have to be very, very, very unique. Things have to happen just perfectly. They all have to come together perfectly. And in the end, we're going, hmm, don't really know how that, okay, it's weird. They're beautiful. I want to take just a moment to talk about science and God. As we go about, we have this thing going on in our society where science is seen as the enemy of Christians or God. And I don't want to have that view. I think it does us some harm. Science to me is just man's best explanation of how God did it. A scientist will get mad at me for that explanation. I understand that. But that's how I rationalize it all. Because I think, okay, that's amazing. Wow. Because if you think about it, you think about, think about the physics involved in throwing a baseball. Two-year-old Bowen can throw a baseball and catch a baseball with me. Not a hard one. We have a soft one, so he didn't have black eyes. But we, we would throw the ball back and forth. Do you know the physics involved in that? I could have Kevin and... Lily and Kelly sit around a room and try to figure out the physics of us throwing the ball and figuring out how that all worked back and forth to each other. But two-year-old Bowen's brain can figure that out. 
And only if we throw it the exact same way, the exact same time. But there is an innumerable amount of ways we can throw that ball at each other, especially with the two-year-old Bowen, right? You, guys, you see what it is? We can figure out one little, our, our math brains can figure out one little step in that whole beautiful physics. That's calculus and physics that Jared will never be able to do, except I've been able to throw and catch since I was a little bitty guy. Perform amazing math equations. The drop of a hat. Physics can figure out how I do it once in a little bitty way, and that's neat. But there's so much more to it. That's kind of how I, I work with how snowflakes. Oh, you, you, you figured out how snowflakes work? All right. Figure out why they're all beautiful, amazing pieces of art that throws man-made stuff out the window. Not even argumentatively. Okay, you figured out that's dust and water. Cool, but wow. I mean, come on. It's just gorgeous. And it can't, it's just to be all random and like, oh, yeah, just nature made it. Nah. God's showing off. <laughs> like, this is like, snowflakes are God's private little winter joke. <laughs> right? Like, oh, these. <laughs> I say that because I think it's real important that we, we have this fight going on of science and man and science and God, and I don't think it's really a fight. It's just like, oh, okay, that's what, how we're going to try to figure out how God did it? Cool. Because at the end, when you get to the end of evolution, you get to the end of creation, you get to the end of snowflakes, there's always, always this element of like, mm, maybe. I have absolute certainty in this theory, but I wasn't there, so I can't prove it. Okay. And I don't want to get off on that so much, but I think it's just amazing to look at the links in which God uses. I say all that about science and stuff to say the links in which God goes to orchestrate, to plan out. It's like a, a beautiful symphony that he builds in, and you don't even know the cello's going to come in until all of a sudden, oh, there's a cello in this music. You didn't even know it was missing until he put it in. Right? And so there's all this beautiful orchestration going on and on and on and on. And that is what the Christmas story is all about. You have creation. You have the world come together. You have the fall of man. People start to sin, do all kinds of bad things, and, and we continue to sin and be far away from God over and over and over and over and over and over again. And God has this way of rectifying with a sacrificial um, system that's going on for the Jewish people in, in the Old Testament. And they didn't even, I mean, and then all of a sudden Jesus comes, Emmanuel comes to change the whole way. We didn't even know the cello was missing until the cello showed up. God orchestrates it all. He plans it all for this moment. It cannot be overstated the importance of Christmas. It can't be overstated the intricacies and what Jesus coming at this specific time, at this specific place in a specific moment, to the specific people. We could go on and on and on and on and on about the prophecies that come true, just the prophecies that come true at Christmas. We could go on and on and on and on and on and on again about all these things that are just coming together, accumulating together for this one moment. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the child to, came for the baby to be born, and she gave him birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly... A great company of heavenly hosts appeared, the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. The New American Standard Version says, on verse 19, oh, That's not it. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at these things and were told told to them by the shepherds. I think this is beautiful. This is a word that I want to capture today is wonder. It's like, I I wonder. It means you can be, it's a verb and a noun. I can wonder about something and I can be in wonder. And it's both at the same time here for the Christmas story that these guys are experiencing. It is a moment of absolute wonder. I think the best explanation for wonder that I've seen lately is my nephew. He's two, just turned two. They decorated the Christmas tree, and he immediately crawled underneath it and stared up at all the beautiful lights underneath it. And that, that face, you know what I'm, that, that face. <gasps> he doesn't know about presents. He doesn't remember. He doesn't remember sausage balls. He doesn't know anything about chocolate-covered pretzels. He doesn't remember any of those things. He is in wonder of the lights. It's like, buddy, you, go, you don't even know what's going to happen. Just this idea of, oh, it's beautiful. And that is the viewpoint, that is the, the, the thing I want to capture this Christmas season. I think we get so mired in the lists and the to-do lists and the, and the, the parties and the things I got to do that we lose the, That Jesus, Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, would come to this earth to change the relationship between humanity and God. That he would provide a way to say, no, 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 you don't have to be this way anymore. You can be different. Life doesn't have to do this anymore. It can be better. You don't have to have a junky eternity waiting you. You can have heaven. He changes 
the script. And I am in wonder of it. The fact that the first line of the Christmas story that uh, Caesar Augustus issued a decree to the entire Roman world. Think about that. This is the most powerful man at that time. No one tells Caesar what to do. He is just a plaything, a puppet for God to reach his ends of doing the census. So Jesus will be born in Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy so Emmanuel can come so that all of a sudden, God with us. It is bigger than we can ever realize. It's not just a nativity scene. It's not just a little ceramic Jesus that we play with. It's not just some camels that that walk around. It is a divine orchestration of history. And I stand in wonder of it. In awe. It's breathtaking. The depths in which Jesus went to orchestrate it all. I don't want to lose that this Christmas. I don't want to get away from it. This Christmas has been exciting already. And we were doing something and I was getting nervous that Bowen and Kendall were getting caught up in the presents and getting caught up in the, the extra things of Christmas, the, the side effects, if you will, of Christmas. And forgetting the main thing. So I was like, oh, so uh, Christmas is about the presents, right, Bowen? He's like, no. I said, so it's about, it's about the parties, right? It's about the food. It's about the cheese grits. No. He's getting mad. He's getting indignant about it. He's mad at me. I was like, so then what is, what is Christmas all about? He's like, Jesus. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, what about Jesus? He was born. So I have my son tell me the Christmas story. I'm like, okay, he just got another gift. He doesn't know it. <laughs> But that's, but that's what's really going on is sometimes we get so caught up in the side effects of Christmas that we forget what Christmas is all about. That if we keep the wonder of God with us, the reason we get gifts is because, whoa, of God. We've built our whole country's economy is on the side effects of Christmas, not on Christmas itself. Christmas is about the fact that God saw us in our condition, took pity on us and said, I will get you out of that cesspool. That is what Christmas is about. That is where the joy comes from. That is where the hope comes from. That's where the excitement comes from. That's where the gifts come from, is that I saw you where you were, and I love you so much, I'm not going to leave you there anymore. That is what Christmas is all about. I don't want to be a a humbug guy anymore and be uh, down on the Christmas trees. I learned all the pagan uh, reasons for stuff for trees and for um, all the different things in Christmas symbols, uh, all the things we've got going on that sometimes they have questionable roots. Those are just add-ons. The real thing is that Jesus saw us where we were at and said, I will come and I will emancipate you from the life that you're in. I will come and pay the price. I will come and be with you. I will come and set you free. That's what Christmas is all about what should we wonder about at Christmas? We wonder what Christmas means. Christmas means, I think Christmas can mean change. Christmas means deliverance. 
It's very interesting to me that the Exodus movie was released at Christmas time. Really should have been released at Easter time, but that's okay. More people probably go to the box office at Christmas time. But it's a concept. It's God repeating himself on a grander scale. Exodus is the story of God emancipating his, his people of the Israelites from a specific context to a specific time and taking them out and going to extraordinary measures, the plagues, the, the crossing the Red Sea, the pillar of fire, and all, I mean, just all these amazing things for certain people at a certain time. Christmas is that on a grander scale, multiplied by affinity. It's not just for a specific people at a specific time. It is for all people for all time. It is the great exodus. That's what Christmas means. It doesn't mean food, unfortunately. It doesn't mean gifts. It doesn't mean all the stuff we get distracted by. It is Jesus. It is the Emmanuel, God with us. I wonder why Christmas, why Christ came. I stand and wonder why. Think about this. And I, I think about this as the angels, because they seem to get it. They're like, do you know what is getting ready to happen? That Christ has come. Like, heaven's a pretty big deal. And Jesus chooses to come to earth. Like, God says, all right, we're going we're gonna to go do that. But think about the timing of that. There's no running water. He comes to Israel. There's no air conditioning. I'd be like, can we get a rain check on the timing of that, Lord God? Father, weird trinity relationship. No air conditioning, no running water, no internet, no football, no cable, none of these things. He comes to the backwater town of the backwater empire, a part of the empire, to a bunch of nobodies. Why would you do that? Because his love is that great for us. Because he cares that much for us. He came at a specific time and a specific moment because the Roman government and the time of that period offered specific communication devices where his message was going to be able to be spread faster than it would be until today. He came at that time because there was wonderful things. Um, there's the Greek and Latin language are so ubiquitous. Ooh, fun word. Extra credit. Uh, so everywhere in the Roman Empire that the story, the good news, the gospel could be spoken easily throughout the whole empire. He came at that moment because it was planned. He came at that, at that moment because it made divine sense. I wonder what Christmas means for me. As I read the story and as I sit and on my couch, look at the Christmas tree and I see the twinkling lights. And we watch Charlie Brown Christmas and we do all the, you know, Christmas vacation will probably be on today. And just we do all the traditions and the things and the, the laughter and the stuff. I remember, I, what does Christmas mean for me? Christmas means something incredibly powerful for me. It means that I am loved. 
It means that I am cared for. It means that there is something special set apart for me. I brought up snowflakes today because if God takes that much effort into creating every single snowflake different, how much more does he care about my creation and about my life and about my story? We are worth way more than our carbon and our water. We are worth way more than a snowflake that melts as soon as it's here, hopefully. We are worth more than that. I wonder at God's gift of redemption. That this Christmas, that may be the first time we hear of God giving us the gift of redemption. At he finds us and he finds the world as liars and as cheaters, as thieves, as adulterers, as messy, junky, broken people. And Christmas is about God saying, I'm going to give you a way out of that. Through a little baby, through a manger, through a scared mom and dad. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus coming and changing the world forever. I wonder at it. I am in awe of it. I stand blown away about it. But it also brings up questions. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what Mary was thinking. I wonder if that innkeeper 30 years later was like, should have let them in. I wonder... What those shepherds thought, we were the first to know. No one's going to believe us. I wonder if those magi ever found it, found it out. If they ever figured it out years later, if they were still alive. They're old men going, oh, we were so right about that guy. We're like, he was a disappointment. What did they think about it? What, what, what did they think about it? I wonder. I wonder about the whole thing. I wonder what it means for me. I wonder how it changes my kids' lives if I can just capture this Christmas spirit, this idea of Emmanuel, that God is with us, and impart that into them. If that becomes the focus of our family dinners, if that becomes the focus of the Christmas parties, if that becomes the focus of it all, that God is with us. I happily decorate. I happily put lights everywhere, except outside. I'm not really a fan of that, but that... I happily get things twinkling. I happily put ribbons places. I happily climb on ladders because it's all in remembrance of this glorious gift of Christ. May our Christmas be a Christmas in which we remember the reason for the season. May this Christmas be a Christmas in which we remember the Emmanuel. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for how you are blessing us and guiding us and shaping us. God, in these moments of Christmas, and this month, and this ramp up, and this lead up to Christmas, we want to focus in on you. We want to set you as the prime example of 
of what Christmas is about, that, that the Emmanuel coming, that God not leaving us alone is what this is all about. God offering a hope and a future for us is what it's all about. That the rest is just side effects. God, as we take communion here in the next few moments, we want to thank you for what Christmas is about, that you would not leave us alone, that you would invade this earth and reclaim us, that you would offer a way for redemption, offer us a way to have real, true, eternal life. God, as we take these elements, as we take the bread and the grape juice, as we think about your sacrifice, let's think about Christmas, that this represents a baby coming. This represents a future coming. This represents a hope coming. This represents the world changing. That you love us more than we can ever imagine. That you're more creative in your care, more extravagant in your love than we can comprehend. Lord, we love you. We praise your name. Amen.